five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses and health. If you have any questions or ideas for future topics you would like me to cover, please do get in touch with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the handle diary of a kidney warrior today's episode is the third part in a three-part series where we're taking an in-depth look at kidney disease with lead chronic kidney disease nurse pat simoyi in part one we looked at what kidney disease is and what causes it in part two we looked at how kidney disease is diagnosed and the signs and symptoms of kidney disease and today in part three we're looking at different treatments for chronic kidney disease Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Pat? Um, very well, thank you, actually, Dee, and thank you very much for allowing me to come and talk to you again. Um, I'm beginning to feel like I live here for <laughs> your podcast. It is actually absolutely wonderful to just chat to you about something I've been uh, involved in in for the past 33 years and um I, I absolutely enjoy it me too it's it's been my honor and I've learned so much in part one you know we talked about what kidney disease is and what causes it and we talked in part two about diagnosis and signs and symptoms and I know that there was so much in there that can help people and raise awareness so Thank you again so much for sharing so much knowledge and what I like to call gems with us. <laughs> and today, yes, part three, um, you're definitely um, a family member of the podcast now because, you know, part three, um, we're looking at different treatments for CKD or kidney, chronic kidney disease, um, for those who don't know what CKD stands for. Um, so, yes, I'm going to hand it over to you and... Yes. What are the different treatments for chronic kidney disease? It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, I'm a nurse, and as you know, I'm a kidney nurse. And when you are a nurse, when you are talking, you almost like start from advising people about the obvious. Lifestyle changes. Exercise is good for the whole body, for the mind, and for the kidney too. So if you exercise, they say if you are mentally unwell or whatever, or you are feeling down, you feel happier and everything else. Um, if you exercise, your blood pressure comes down um, and that is good for the kidney. Um, so lifestyle issues, if you stop smoking, that helps the kidney too, because it doesn't actually narrow the veins that go to supply your kidney as well. If you eat well, um, it also um, is good for the kidney because you don't choke the kidney with a lot of fat around it. Um, all our organs are suspended um, in the body and they're held up by, together by, by fat around them. So if you put too much fat around them, you actually actually uh, choke them and, and um, you find that um, uh, they, they will suffer from that. Um, so health, health, health style... 
hairstyle <laughs> changes is very very important now what you eat um low so low salt stuff we always say that and i remember if you remember many of you if you're as old as me you remember the campaign about Sid the slug who uh, if he ate less salt he would he would survive and it was also encouraging us to actually eat less salt because if you eat too much salt you end up retaining water that you don't need in your body which will make your blood pressure go up and which will actually also upset your kidneys so lifestyle changes are very very important stopping smoking eating well exercising we ca- i can't emphasize that isness so i'll start there isness now what else do we need to do what all other treatments do we give um somebody with kidney uh, problems the always the, the very first thing is to make sure that whatever caused your kidneys to to get damaged is controlled whether it be diabetes you make sure that actually the treatments are robust and they are actually controlling your hba1c or your your kidney uh, your uh, blood glucose to between 48 and 58 which are reco- recommended um uh, guidelines if is high blood pressure remember that caused your kidneys to 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 get damaged you also make sure that your blood pressure if you are not diabetic um and you are not losing protein is below 140 over 80 and actually if you also monitor it at home you find that um it will be better because you won't have those issues around white coat syndrome and everything else so if you, and you were worrying about what you'd get for christmas this year you can ask for a blood pressure machine <laughs> and the hypertensive society tends to um um prefer uh the omron machine now i'm not paid by these people but that is what is recommended so if you've got no protein and you're not diabetic your blood pressure should be below 140 over 80 but if you've got protein in your urine and you are diabetic as well we tend to want it to be much lower anything below 130 over 80 is fine now we tend to worry about blood pressures when the top one gets below um 100 because if you have a very low blood pressure it means you the, the pressures are not good enough to pump blood to your organs and if the kidney is ever starved of uh 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 blood of nutrients of oxygen it also gets damaged this is why you find if you get dehydrated severely whether we have a lot of di- um, diarrhea or you 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 are just sweating so much you are so unwell um you end up with kidney damage because there is less supply of oxygen there's less supply of uh, nutrients to the kidney itself for it to be able to do what it has to do so we always say try to keep yourself hydrated properly um uh because that actually also helps the kidney now the poor hydration bit you tend to find that in young children you also tend to find that in people with chronic conditions they say people with five tablets or more who are taking five tablets or more or people who are diabetic or people who have just got a long term condition they are very much at risk of having kidney damage then um and to try and prevent that because i come from a preventative side i want you to prevent 
spend things. Yes, we're going to treat it if that something happens. You have to go in and have a drip of saline in the in the in in, 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 in the hospital, but you can prevent it by making sure that you are well hydrated. So whatever caused your kidneys to be damaged has to be it has to be managed and has to be right. If like you know, like vasculitis and things like that, different causes of kidney damage, they need to be followed up very, very closely to ensure that they are all controlled all the time. And if they are not ring your and you start feeling poorly, ring your your your, your unit and make sure that um you're given more tablets or they find out what's going on with you and then you can be treated so that you don't actually continue um damaging your kidney. Now the other thing while I'm on the on the vasculitis and everything else, um, a lot of people with vasculitis um, or even a lot of um, uncontrolled blood pressure, uncontrolled diabetes, they also tend to lose a lot of protein. Now we all know that it, there's a lot of research now which shows that if you lose a lot of protein and that is not controlled by the medication tablets like uh, ramipril, you know the pril tablets or the um, Ibesartan, the Sartan group, or also they called ACE inhibitors, those those ones are or angiotensin receptor blockers. And also the newer diabetic tablets, the SGLT2s, you know, the 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 the, the canagloflosins, the dapagloflosins, the empagloflosins, the gluflosins, those actually reduce the amount of protein loss. And I want you to remember as well that controlling your your, your high uh, your high blood pressure will also control the protein loss and also controlling your, your your diabetes also reduces the protein loss so that is what we try to do if you control the protein loss and you are put on these newer tablets which also benefit the heart um in other ways because it actually makes the heart push out more blood as well if you've got heart failure um uh and or not only that it is a vasodilator. It actually opens up your vessels so that you don't have things packing into in your vessels and causing blockages. Um, we tend to give that for that purpose with your statins. Um, some people actually who have a few cardiac problems will also have some aspirin. So not only are we treating kidney disease, we are also um, preventing the potential problems which are heart disease, which is what they call cardiovascular disease. So we are giving you the pril tablets, the, the, the glufosin tablets, and the, the sartan tablets, like ibesartan, ramipril, or um, empagluflosin, because we are also preventing future complications of heart disease. So just remember, because people come and say, oh, you give me some more tablets, what are they for? I always say some tablets we give you now are almost like, you know, those um, martial men at a, at a carnival who keep the groups walking, moving. Uh, you know, these tablets keep the blood moving. And with the exercise and everything else that you, the lower salt intake and everything else that you, 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 you are expected to do, you find that your, your vascular system is actually patent. The kidney is part of the vascular system because blood also goes in there and out through to be cleaned and out. So it's part of the vascular. You have the heart, you've got the kidney, you've got so it all moves around. So just remember we are not only treating the kidney, but we're also preventing potential problems. Now I want you to remember all those um, functions of the kidney as well, that we are looking for them when we take all those buckets of blood tests that we take. 
all the time. And I remember I have everybody going, not a gay. They don't want with their blood, but we have to find out. That's the only way we can find out. Whether your bones are healthy, we have to check your parathyroid hormone levels. We have to check that your phosphates are controlled. We have to check, check that your calcium is controlled so that you don't have those aches and pains which you have. You are sitting down, you have aches and pains. You are standing up, you have aches and pains. You can't put yourself in any position to feel better. It's because sometimes when you don't have enough vitamin D, which the kidney is actually supposed to be responsible for processing, you end up having aches and pains. So we check that if you need any treatment, we sometimes give you um, some phosphate binders, which you have to take with food. Remember with food, because they work on the food that you are eating, like your uh, we used to use calcium many years ago. I don't think we use it anymore now. There are newer ones now, like Fosex, Renagel, those tablets that actually bind the phosphate that is in your food and take it through you so that you don't absorb it because it's difficult to get rid of. And then we give you the parathyroid hormone uh, uh, tablet, which is your alpha calcidol, which suppresses the activity of um, the, the parathyroid uh, gland. Because if it's too active, it leaches calcium out of your bones back into the bloodstream. And you can end up with so much that it actually um, makes your, your, your vessels, it actually stashes it up around your vessels. They are like steel. You can't actually, they are inflexible. Um, I remember many, many years ago when we used to use a lot of uh, tablets which had calcium, uh, a calcium base, there was a gentleman who was taken to, to theater to have a kidney transplant, but they couldn't clamp have his vessels to sew them onto the kidney uh, uh, vessels because they were too calcified. And if you also calcify your heart, you calcify your iota, which takes heart, uh, blood out, then we start having problems. So we are checking for that all the time. So all those buckets of blood you leave with us, we're, we're after you have gone, uh, we are looking at them to make sure that these things are not happening and changing your tablets and doing all sorts. And then some people decide not to take it. But we are trying to help uh, and prevent complications. Because if left alone again, it causes cardiovascular problems. And and with a with an unworking heart, even a transplant won't 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 be visible because you won't the person won't be suitable to go under general anesthetic and things like that. So we, we try to start it early and where I work, where you're trying to identify those things early and manage them early, I'm hoping that by the time if unfortunately they hit the dialysis place and they will need these things, they won't have those complications at all. Because we started doing it very, very early, and that is not happening. Okay, so the bones, the anemia as well. I know all of you will end up on EPO, and some people are on it already. Some people are not on EPO already. EPO is supposed to be a beautiful. Uh, um, I, I have to say, beautiful, don't I? Um, uh, hormone that is produced by the kidney, and it produces it because there is less oxygen in the bloodstream. And the kidney actually is very clever. It senses that and says, mm, let's let me produce some EPO to make your, your bone marrow produce more red cells. And then it makes you some red cells for you so that you can carry oxygen around and be able to run for the bus or the train or the tram. Nowadays, there are trams, aren't they? So if you haven't got enough um, uh, red cells, you won't be hemoglobin, they call it, you won't be able to 
to, 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 to have enough oxygen going around your body. So that is important for you. And if you have less as well, it damages your kidney because the kidney, for it to function, it needs the oxygen to function. So we check again for anemia, make sure that you are not anemic and we give you uh, um, EPO. But we don't always start giving you EPO first. We start giving you all the in- ingredients that the body needs to make a red cell. When you are making a red cell, if you are Mr. Body or Mrs. Body and you're trying to make a red cell, you need some ingredients like you're making a Victorian sandwich or like you're making a curry. You you, you need you need your, 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 your B12, you need your... your, your iron you need your folic acid you need you need also a body which is not infected which has not got infections which are upsetting things in there so we check for all those things and we always tend to find that people are uh, have got less iron in their body so we give them iv iron and make sure that the, the, the iron is there for the body to use or we give them folic acid as well some people are on three monthly b12 injections and i've never met anybody who likes it but it has to be done um so that's what we do that's why you end up on so many and once all that in their right levels and the hemoglobin is still low then we give you EPO. it's almost like you're you're sort of enhancing it if you give the EPO. And the, the 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 either one of those ingredients is missing. It's almost like if I make a curry myself, I can never make it like my friend's mom, who, who is Asian. I, I forget some of the the the, the, the ingredients. So like I, I remember, I always forget the garam masala or something. But it won't taste the same. But it it will look like a curry, but it won't it won't be as nice as. So my curry is never as nice, and the body will not use this something which is not perfect. It wants a good red cell. So what you what then happens is either the cell will be too big or it will be too small because something is missing. Okay. And this plane will crush it straight away because it thinks you have used it. So your body is making and the plane is crushing and you are, you know, you know, and it's not benefiting anyone. So this is why we bring you for IV iron and we ask you to take folic acid, we ask you to take some B12 injections. It's really because we want the ingredients to be right for the body to make a good red cell which carries blood and which will make you feel good. Your um, quality of life makes better because you can go and do what you need to do as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as whoever you are in your family because you've got the energy. Okay, and sense. apart from the the EPO, we also control your blood pressure. That's one of the symptoms of um, uh, having a, 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 a kidney which is not functioning. Now, high blood pressure itself can cause kidney disease, but kidney disease itself causes high blood pressure. <laughs> so sometimes some people's high blood pressure came because of kidney disease. I remember going to some see someone and they said, actually, we need to treat your blood pressure. She said, oh, no, my grandmother had high blood pressure. My mom had high blood pressure. I have high blood pressure. You're never going to treat it. No, we've got better tablets now. We've got more powerful tablets and we can do it. And we know that if we control it, it will not only preserve your kidney, it also preserves your heart. So we will always try to make sure that we control it to the recommended levels. Sometimes if somebody is losing protein, a lot of protein, we tend to even want it a bit lower. Let just make sure that they are not feeling dizzy. Um, sometimes we bring it a bit lower, but not all the time because um, we don't want you to fall down and break your neck and, or break your leg or whatever. We don't want you to do that. 
the other thing that we have to also uh, treat is the uh, the water. If you are accumulating water in your body, then you carry so much. Your heart will have to work through so much volume. And with time, it just gives up. <clears throat> so like I said, again, we put you on water tablets and they have to be monitored because if you are earlier on in your, uh, um, or even later on, uh, if you have too much um, uh, water tablets, you can actually dry yourself and that will affect the kidney as well. So it needs to be monitored. It needs to be monitored very well. Just remember, uh, a weight that has got to do with um, water normally uh, is um, it, 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 it jumps up over a few days rather than I've been eating a lot of chips and I put on <laughs> weight. You don't put it in a week. But fluid weight, you put it next day, you put it on, and you start swelling because the body tries to stash the water away from the heart so that at least you can breathe and talk to people and do all sorts. So if you find you're swelling um, and you also find that you are nicking someone, your partner's pillow when you are sleeping because you are feeling a bit breathless lying down, it could be some fluid. Talk to your unit and, and, and they will put you on they will safely put you on, on, on water tablets because it has to be safe. And those are some of the tablets, actually, they need to be reviewed when you are very unwell. If you are very unwell and you are in the hospital and you can't drink and you can't eat or you've got diarrhea or you are susceptible, you, somebody needs to look at your tablets and make sure that you don't continue taking your water tablets when you are so poorly and you're not drinking. You don't take your, 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 your blood pressure tablets when you are so unwell and, 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 and you're not eating either. So those things need to be reviewed sometimes. Even in COVID as well, I remember I had COVID and a, a, a GP friend was saying, are you still taking your blood pressure tablets? And I'm thinking, no. Uh, so those things need to be reviewed when you are poorly with something else. Because you may end up, they may end up worsening the situation because whatever situation they were put in for is not relevant at that time. Right. It's not there at that time because you've got something else. And uh, like, for example, if you are if you are got diarrhea, you you become dehydrated. So if you take more water tablets, you end up with nothing in your body and you end up, you know, in trouble. So we don't want to do that. So just remember that. Um. So I said blood pressure, I said the bones, I said anemia, and I said volume. And sometimes as well, if you are becoming too acidotic, um, there are times because the kidney gets rid of waste. And by getting rid of that waste, it, it maintains your body at a, at a right pH for it. So what happens sometimes, because when the, the, the waste is accumulating and you go so much water and everything is going on in your body, your pH goes down. You become acidotic. And we sometimes have to give you some bicarbonate of soda. Um, and we monitor that too. Whatever we give you, we monitor. Okay? And so there are some tablets as well which are got rid of by, by the kidney. If it's ourselves, like things like digoxin, things like lithium levels and things like that, we because they are got to do by the kidney, we tend to monitor them. And sometimes we reduce the dosages and things like that. This is why we always ask you to bring your tablet list with you when you come to clinic. I have been told, Pat, I brought it last month. And I'm thinking, yes, I know you brought it last month. I still want to see it. In case somebody has prescribed you something 
that is got rid of by the kidney and the dosage is not right. We still need to see that. And we just need to see it. I'm, I'm sorry. When I ring sometimes, I'm wondering, can I listen to you? Can I have your tablet listen? So, but, but, but I gave you again. I said, yeah, no, I know. I just want to pick up on what you are taking. Plus also, not don't be in a habit. Just go and buy things from the counter. Because if they are got rid of by the kidney from the body, and you still take the, the dosage that you are normally taking when the kidneys are fine, we can get into trouble too. So are you talking okay. about are you talking about over the counter supplements? Like what did you mean? Yes. I'm talking about those those tablets like um, magnesium trisilicate or um something that you can just go to the pharmacist and just say, Oh, can I have that from I put uh, anti acid or whatever. Not only have they got a calcium base. So if you've got calcium problems with your bones. You end up calcium, calcifying your own cells. Wow. Okay. Yes. We just need to have a look at them and talk about them. And also, <clears throat> we tend to talk about some of the teas that you have, the slimming teas and uh, the, I don't know where they are from, those teas <laughs> that we, we take. Some of them are quite dangerous. They damage your kidneys. So... Be careful what you take over the counter. Yeah, yes, it may be all right to you know somebody else. If you want to start on something out there, go and discuss it with your reno a team. They will tell you what to do. Okay. So when we are treating kidneys, earlier on, we treat blood pressure, we treat anemia, we treat the underlying cause. We make sure that we monitor the function of the kidney. Is it working? If it's not, how can we help it? And we continue doing that. And we chop and change because we never can be as efficient as the kidney. We chop and change. You come in, we say, oh, take so much. And when you come back, we say, oh, no, 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 stop. Take this one. And then, Because we are trying by all means to mimic what the kidney does. Um, we haven't got there yet, but we try our best. If we work together, it normally works. It's like people who... They- and just go home and they put things in the bag and never take them out afterwards who have problems. But anyway, so what happens is we'll get to a point where even, I remember yesterday I was talking to a gentleman who was on Fusamide 500 milligrams. He said, I'm on a big dose. I said, what big dose? He said, big dose. I said, what? He said, of the water tablet. I said, let's see. And he told me, I said, oh, no wonder why you were saying big dose. Because that's almost like the, the, the final dose. It's because we, we are getting that point where the kidney is not responding anymore. And when you get to that, some people feel they fill up with water and feel very blessed, breathless. Some people just feel like they are got a cold, which gets worse by the day. You know, like if you got a cold, in three days' time, it's just sort of like feeling a bit better, unless it's corona. <laughs> <laughs> you feel a bit better and better. But with this one, you just feel more unwell and more unwell and more unwell and more unwell. Rather than then have an ambulance, the phone your unit because what all we do is say, oh, go to a GP and have a blood test. A, a blood test will tell us what's happening. And then you can you can go by the, the choice that you have made. And I'm, I'm, what, all I'm saying is um, when I used to uh, give people the pre-dialysis counseling, I used to go in and say, oh, I've come, I've come to discuss about the op- options um, after the tablets have 
go to a point where they're not as effective because we can control blood pressure we can control the weight uh water water wise to a point uh we can con- try to control the, the bones we can um we can we can we can we can try by all means but we cannot change the creatinine levels they are still accumulating we cannot change the urea levels they are still accumulating plus also the water may need to be taken out for the patient to feel better can you um explain for our listeners what is creatinine and what is urea urea Creatinine is actually a waste product of what we eat. No, no, creatinine is actually a waste product of of our muscle activity. The more muscular you are, the more creatinine you produce. So, if you were to take me uh, and you a new day, I would produce more protein because I, I, I more, more creatinine. Sorry, because if if you if you took this as muscle. <laughs> and not fat. <laughs> I'll be very muscular and I'll be for example, let's say myself and Eubank Jr. That is there's Eubank Jr. now who is a boxer, isn't he? Yeah. Um because he's got more muscle than I do, mm-hmm. he would produce more more creatinine than me. Okay. Because actually they tend to say as you get older and as you get fatter. You 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 replace your muscle with fat, so you won't produce as much muscle. So, for example, if you bank junior had a creatinine of, let's say, one fifty, mm-hmm. he's fine. But if I had a creatinine of one fifty, and um, it, it, the way I am, by the way, listeners, I'm a little bit on the higher side of, <laughs> I'm obese. I'm actually. Uh, 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 fairly obese so this is why i'm giving myself an example as an example because I, I, i've replaced most of my muscle with fat so what you find is although i'm not producing as much um creatinine i'm in trouble because i don't have the muscle this is why actually we use gfrs because you have to if you had to estimate somebody's kidney function you have to look at are they wheelchair bound are they big are they small are they black are they white you know what i mean yeah. So GFR has tend to actually uh, uh, stop you thinking about who it is because it takes that all in, in, into account. So creatinine is a waste of muscle activity. Urea is a waste of what we eat as protein. We eat things as protein and you, you, the waste is, is, is urea. We used to restrict people on the amount of uh, protein they take many, many years ago. And I remember we used to end up with very anorexic people because all the food without protein was, was nasty. So <laughs> I know that <laughs> I know that we don't restrict protein. You eat that normal protein and stay healthy. But we sort of monitor what's going on then. So that's the difference. So I remember creating is to do up with your muscles. And if you are big muscle-wise, you will produce more. If you are big fat-wise, you don't produce as much creatinine uh, because it's, it's fat you are carrying rather than rather than um, rather so, than uh, muscle. So that is what what those two are. So you can't get rid of that urea and creatinine using tablets. You have to dialyze them out. 
And when we tend to get to those places, areas like GFR of about 20, we will want to sit people down and say, you know what, we're getting to that point where we just need to talk about things. You need to think about things when your mind is not uh, unwell. Uh, with 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 urea or anything, let's sit down and tell you that you know there are different ways of managing you when we get to that point where the tablets are not being as effective as they should be. We will need to put you on dialysis, or we will need to transplant you. I will st- start off with the transplant. Um, this is when somebody either gives you a kidney from from the family is live or somebody with emotional ties with you uh, gives you a kidney, or somebody from the street uh, offers to give the unit a kidney, and you're one of those who, depending on whatever system that your unit does, uh, offers you that kidney, you can then have a transplant. That is if you match their kidney. And many years ago when I was, when you used to to sort of like look at um, matching, what matching means, it's, it's not sometimes people used to think that you you will have a, a little piece of uh, flesh taken and another little piece of flesh taken from someone and look at it. No, they just take blood tests and they look at your genetic makeup. And if you match the person, uh, then they will give you that 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 um, that kidney. So, like I said, different ways. Either you somebody dies in in, in um, they they are diagnosed brain dead in intensive care. And the family or the patient wish to give somebody a kidney. Um, but nowadays, it's supposed to have changed now, isn't it? That anyone, everybody is assumed to want to give your kidney until they opt out. Um, I don't know how far that has gone, but uh, you can find out with your, with, with your, with your kidney uh, units to, sure, to make sure that uh, uh, you know exactly where you are. But they have to match you. And if you match that kidney, they give you but you shouldn't be having any infections or things like that during that time because the powerful drugs that they'll give you after a, tra- after a transplant, if you are given them when you are not uh, very well, especially infection-wise, um, that infection can just be, you know, can just be it's very big and can actually affect your life, really. The other thing is, well, I remember the last time I, I, I read about it uh, and I talked about it with someone, uh, if you have had a cancer, diagnosis of cancer somewhere and um, it's within five years of that diagnosis and uh, and it isn't recurred uh, but it's within and nobody has checked you like scanned you to make sure that there was nothing in your body you would not get that because they want to make sure it is after five years and you are clear that they will consider you the other thing they have to consider is what well, is your heart as well you have to have heart tests and things like that this is why we need to early manage it much much earlier and make sure that things are done so that when that time comes if you are that one of those people who end up on on, on um needing dialysis at least your heart is in the right uh, uh shape and right um uh health to, to have a, a general anesthetic so that is one and that can actually be done well before somebody gets dialyzed and things like that um, and they, they they tend to say the the live um, a related um, transplantation, some a, a transplant that you get from someone who is alive, is a much better quality because it hasn't been that person hasn't been in intensive care where they have all these drugs and things like that given to them. Uh, so they tend to say that is um, 
that is the best one. But I've seen people who have done really well with uh, the transplant that they got from somebody who was um, deemed uh, brain dead in the in the um, in uh, intensive care. Uh, and just remember, because I have this question all the time, people ask me um, if there's been a disaster somewhere, why can't they take those people who died and transplant them? It's really because that kidney has to be perfused. If you leave a kidney w- without any perfusion, without by perfusion, I'm sort of saying water going through it and sort of make sure that uh, it's, it's safe. The, the, the tissues are, are, are kept alive. The tissues just die very quickly. And so you can't, you can't actually bring a dead person in and get, get their kidney from them. You can't. So anyway, I don't know what other um, uh, research is happening at the moment, but I haven't done sort of transplants in the last two years. So I don't know what research is happening. So go and ask your, your renal units. And if they understand, they know that you understand and you are keen to hear about it, they'll be very happy to talk to you about it. So the other the other option is dialysis. There are two types of dialysis. There's the hemodialysis, which I we used to always call the blood dialysis, or there's the uh, uh, peritoneal dialysis, which is the fluid dialysis. Now I'll ta- I'll I'll start off with the blood dialysis. Um, blood dialysis is when we take blood out of you, put it through a machine, and the machine cleans the blood. And machine warms it up nicely so that you are not you don't you are not cold when after when you finish and um it actually makes sure that there are no clothes or anything that come out and push it, uh, the machine puts it right back into your into your um into your arm again so that it goes through your circulation and do what it's good at um that takes about four hours or more um three times a week um some in some units. Uh, especially, I know that the ones are broke. They, they can't. People can't afford to have three. They have two. But then, that the quality of their life is not as good. But in England, I know that we do three times a week. Uh, it could be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which are the, the, the more popular days because people don't want to come in on a Saturday. <laughs> so there's always like, do I have to on a Saturday? But anyway, there's Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, which are not as popular, but somebody has to dialyze on there. And don't forget, you can't just create a, a, a dialysis space like that. So you need to work with your, with your nurses, actually, if one has to go there. But if you've got the days that you prefer... You can just sort of say, but I really prefer this so that if somebody goes off, uh, goes to go to a tran- transplant or get transplanted or whatever, you can actually be moved into that space then. And I, I remember when I used to work in dialysis, uh, we never had, used to have any problems. But then if you sort of cop on insistence, like for asking for somebody that you know is not there, <laughs> which they can't just make like that, then it just becomes very stressful for everybody. But anyway, I know that you are all very good. And I don't want you to go to dialysis, so take your tablets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you can have dialysis in the hospital center. You can have dialysis in a satellite unit, unit, which is almost like a, a unit, which is not very far from the hospital. Yeah, Some people dialyze at home, and that is called home hemodialysis. Um, and what the nurses do is they train you everything to do with dialysis, uh, at the machine, how to do your blood blood tests, how to collect them, and how to do your blood pressures, when to phone, when you need to phone, and you are given a phone, and everything else. Any 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 um, um, costs around that are picked up by the by the hospital. Um, and in my last job, I used to come go around um, 
the patients um, I worked with, and we used to have fun. I used to have my cake, and we used to discuss everything to do with dialysis, their condition, anything they wanted. And you found that six months of doing that, they became so knowledgeable about their treatments. And I used to have one person who used to go and dialyze abroad. They thought he was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> because he used to come in and say, ha they all thought I was your doctor. And I said, I hope you didn't do any clinics. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't do that. Uh, but that, that is a way, again, of getting involved in your care. Uh, and really, and you can choose the time that you want to do. You have your machine in your house. So if you did not, not want to do it this evening, you can do it this morning. Something you can't do in the hospital. It was flexible. I know actually that there's also night dialysis, nocturnal dialysis, where somebody puts themselves on the on the dialysis at night. And that, again, the nitty-gritty, you actually have to uh, check with your units how they are doing it, how you go onto it. They've got some criteria that they actually use. But I just wanted you to know that there's hemodialysis uh, and there are different options of it. And then there's peritoneal dialysis, which is, is actually putting a tube inside your tummy, uh, not in, you can you can still digest your food. You can still um, uh, have a love life. You can still uh, do what you need to do. This tube goes in between your um, in, in, in a membrane. There's a membrane in your tummy which covers all the intestines and everything else and pins them down so that they're not bobbing around and causing any problems. Now that membrane is is, is doubled so that it does the job properly. Somebody discovered if you put the tube in there and you put fluid in there, that fluid will um, make an area of uh, less waste in the body and the body will try to make it such that it's got as much waste as it does. So it lets in some waste from itself, from the blood vessels which are around the tummy there. And by so doing, if you then, after four hours, drain that fluid out and put some more, the body still tries to make it the same uh, 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 the same amount of waste as it does. It's called um, diffusion. Those people who remember the signs, diffusion, movement of particles from a, an area of higher concentration to an area of lower concentration across a, a permeable membrane. That membrane is called the peritoneum um, membrane which is there, which actually holds everything down. But that works as a diffusion membrane, and you lose your waste that way. There are ways of increasing the water losses well, which the, 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 the units will tell you about. But that is another one. And there are different forms of it. But what happens inside the body is exactly the same. So you can do it in the day, four times a day, or you can do it at night is with a machine, which is automated peritoneal dialysis, or you can do it with a machine for all the people with dexterity problems or whatever, being assisted by someone else to be connected on the machine and back. So, But what happens inside your body is exactly the same. That, that, that dialysis works by diffusion, movement of uh, particles from the body where there's too much of it into where the fluid you've just put in which is inside like a membrane, which which the surgeons actually sort of make when 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 you are when you are when they take you to to to, to put the catheter in, and and you, you actually dialyze that way. Now they tend to say if you start on that one, it buys you time before you touch your areas where you can put fistula in. 
So you, you can do that for, let's say, two years or so, and hopefully you get a transplant. So we haven't touched any of your fistula size because for hemodialysis, you will need somewhere to get the blood from, which is called a fistula, a dialysis fistula. You always have to say dialysis fistula because there are other fistulas as well. Fistula means an abnormal connection between two organs normally. But if it's a dialysis fistula, it means a communication between and your artery and your vein in your arm or your leg or wherever where they put it. Uh, and what that does is it, the artery, because it's at a higher pressure, will pour its blood into the vein and the vein will, will just get bigger and make it easier for the nurses to put uh, a needles in. Now, you can't use it straight away, so it needs to be made up six months or so before. But then we don't know exactly whether it's going to be six months or before, so we try by all means to just make sure that you have one. Somebody has one before they have to start dialysis, if the choice is theirs. So I remember my job was to go around and actually sort of give a bit more information around, uh, depending on the unit I am from, uh, around all those treatment options, uh, transplantation, um the hemodialysis um, and peritoneal dialysis. And I also used to give conservative management where um, people can also make a choice of not having the dialysis or not having the transplant if they feel they, they, they don't want to. And as long as it's, it's an informed decision, uh, which is not made under duress, which is not made because somebody has got a lot of debt or somebody is not getting on with their family or something, you know, some, something else. Uh, it is taken seriously. Where it is questioned, where somebody thinks, mm, I don't know whether that is really, they're not just saying that because they're depressed. Sometimes people can be sent to a psychologist or someone to talk to them. And then whatever you talk, people talk about, they, it doesn't get to the unit. If you cast, but that person still come back and say, you know what, I really don't want to. And that's fine. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't force people to do it. Um, then also, people need to know because some people use that, to, especially when some people are saying, "Oh, I think you are going to need a fistula now." They will say to say, "Oh, I want conservative management," just because they don't want anyone to touch them. Then when they feel very unwell, say, "Oh, no, 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 I want to be." You know, it, it needs preparation. People who are not prepared, people who don't have fistula, and think like that, when we, they end up putting lines in, can have infections and things like that, it just puts that person at risk. The, the the outcomes of somebody who's not prepared are not as good. This is why we try to make sure that we start the dialysis, we start the, the preparations much much earlier, even before the dialysis is needed. Plus, also if somebody wants to be transplanted, then we can start working, doing the processing working the process because people need to be have their tissue typing done, taking bloods, the, the, the donor most of the time if they are a live donor, they need to go and see a psychologist to make sure that they're doing it really. They're not being forced to do it. They're not they are not um uh they're they're not being put under pressure to give the you know they're doing it because they actually um it's a gift to this person. It's not somebody something that they're going to do because they want some money or they want favors from you, or they want anything. It is a gift. So it is very important that things are put into place properly. And plus also, we've got guidelines that we go by, nice guidelines, which tell us that, you know what, if your unit is doing well, 
you sh- that person should have it fistula six months before they come into uh, uh, dialysis. That person should have been prepared. Their hemoglobin should be so and so. Their PTH should be. We will actually have those. We have to send that to the uh, 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 to the uh, national audit center for kidneys every single month. And if you are doing unwell, if you are doing badly, you are shown that you are doing badly. So we have those to also make sure that we we don't put patients at risk. So the treatments are lifestyles, taking your blood pressure, taking your tablets, ensuring that you live healthy, um, and also getting your information. Attending clinics is very important because that's where we, we know whether we are doing it right or we are doing it wrong and we rectify things. Like I told you, we, we try to do what the kidney does and we try to do it to our best. But we can only do that if you, the person also comes in. And most of the things the patient has to do when they go home, most of the things that we say, oh, go and do this, the person has to go and do them at home. If people don't understand things, they don't always do them. If you don't, find out. The, the unit, there are people who actually just go and teach people on, on their condition at home. Talk to them. They will tell you what to do. Plus also coming to your podcast as well. Get some information from there. And and, 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 and and use it to your benefit. Remember, not only are we treating kidney disease, we are also trying to prevent the complications of heart disease. Thank you so much. So I think I'll stop here for today or else I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That was Thank really, you. really interesting, really, really helpful um, to know all the different options and why I think it can be really difficult as a patient when you're given, you know, this tablet and that tablet and you're you're wondering, you know, well, why, you know, it really has opened up my eyes because there's, there's tablets that I personally was given and I was like, why am I taking this kind of thing? And, you know, I don't want to be on another um, medication. I don't have to take another tablet, this, that, and the other, but understanding that, it's like a jigsaw kind of thing. Yeah. All the pieces need to be in the jigsaw together for it to, for you to see the full picture and for it to work. So it really makes sense um, what you're saying and especially to do with the protein loss and, and the blood pressure and, and knowing that these tablets, you know, are preventing things from getting worse and, yeah, yeah. it all makes perfect sense. So. Thank you so much again for coming and, and sharing with us um, so much gems. Like that's my favorite word, gems. Sorry, people, if I keep saying the word gems, but I just think when I when I use the word gems, like, I mean something that is precious. This is really precious and so important um, information, and I really believe that knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have, the more empowered we are to help ourselves. Because as I keep saying time and time again, prevention is better than cure. And if we can prevent ourselves, you know, getting worse in our um, kidney function and losing function, then um, that is so much easier than trying to cure the problem afterwards. So I um, thank you so much for sharing. You are most welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are uploaded 
every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.